Thank you for listening to Christ Alone Podcast, where we believe that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected according to the scriptures. Our hope is that God can bless you through this week's episode. All right, welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Angie and Steven's podcast. Christ Alone. Christ Alone podcast. All right. I think your singing gets better and better every week. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, God bless everybody. Um, thank you for joining us uh, back on our podcast. Uh, we wish you the best. We hope you had a wonderful Father's Day. We hope you had a wonderful week, a blessed week. And uh, we hope that uh, this podcast keeps equipping you and encouraging you in your faith walk with Jesus. But if you have a Bible, remember that you need that to to equip you the most. Right. Well, I didn't say this was the only way to get equipped. Right, 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 right. I'm just saying it's um, important, All right, so today we're going to finish what we intended to finish uh, last episode, but... Obviously, uh, the Holy Spirit had other plans. So um, today we're going to talk about uh, the resurrection of Jesus. Is it a myth? Um, This is the last and final part, part three, where we uh, hope to conclude. And hopefully, I mean, if you're listening to these three episodes and you were skeptical or you thought that the existence of Jesus was a myth. Hopefully, um, you know, those questions and that doubt can be laid to rest. I think that we've provided more than enough evidence by now uh, to show that Jesus was, in fact, a real historical person. That's Jesus of Nazareth. Um, He was a, a historical person who did say and do the things that he said and did, And the Gospels are a reliable source, uh, or it's a reliable historical account of his life. It's based on eyewitness accounts. So um, if you still have questions or, uh, you know, have an argument against that, or if any of these episodes, not just the, the Jesus ones, but any other episodes that we've done that you've listened to have changed your life, Feel free to, you know, reach out to us and let us know. We, you know, we want to honor and glorify God and everything that he does. And if he's doing it through this podcast, we absolutely would love to know. Um, but yeah, so. So in this last part, uh, we're going to end um, with, uh, you know, the skeptical claim that the New Testament writers copied the uh, res- ancient resurrection myths and lied about the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, you know, we've so far told of the empty tomb and some of these other things that just don't make sense logically, but also they don't, um, they, they don't, uh, I, I can't, I lost my words. They don't uh, match the historical and archaeological facts. So, um, do you have anything to... No. (laughs) Okay. Go on. (laughs) All right. So, uh, for example, um, 
there's uh, the first parallel of a dying and rising God does not appear until AD 150. That's over 100 years after the rising of early Christianity in AD 30 uh, or 32. And the only known account of a God surviving death uh, that predates Christianity is the mythological Egyptian God Osiris. In this myth, Osiris is cut into 14 pieces, scattered around Egypt, and then reassembled and brought back to life by the goddess Isis. However, Osiris did not actually come back to physical life, but becomes a member of a shadowy underworld. This myth is far different than Jesus' historical crucifixion, burial, uh, in, Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem tomb, uh, which, by the way, was or did belong to Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, the bodily resurrection on the third day uh, was seen by various groups of people on a dozen separate occasions over a 40-day period at the same time. That resulted in mass conversions and martyrdoms. Um, also, the myth does not explain the empty tomb. Like, the empty tomb is, is, really, is really it. It's a good starting point um, because if Jesus did not die or exist, then, you know, or or uh, was not raised from the dead, then, you know, explain the empty tomb. Right. Um, I also think, and we might have discussed this in a previous episode, um, but there's a lot of people that think that, hey, maybe the disciples and people did see Jesus, but it was kind of like his spiritual form. So I guess my question is, how do we know that it wasn't a spiritual form and it was an actual body that was resurrected and i think that goes back to the, <laughs> the empty, empty tomb. tomb yeah right um where was the body i think it would have been easy for anyone to find it and uh and yeah. prove it and i mean we keep going back to like there's no reason for like there's no logical reason that we can think of that why why the disciples would hide a body yeah here's the other thing too a lot of atheists say well you know what Christians or theists in general are making these extraordinary claims. In particular, the Christians are making this extraordinary claim that Jesus resurrected from the dead. Now, they claim that um, extraordinary um, claims require extraordinary evidence. And that is not true. And we can see that through the resurrection of Jesus. Why? Because the empty tomb is not an extraordinary is not extraordinary evidence in the sense that, you know, this is something supernatural that we can prove Uh, in a way. It's just basically, this is something real simple. Uh, Jesus was crucified. He died on the cross. There was witnesses that saw this. And all we had to do, if somebody said in those times, I could imagine uh, somebody saying, Hey, look, Jesus, he's, He's like eating lunch with us. What You need to come check this out. I, you know, if it was me, I'd be like, no way. First, I want to go see because it could be somebody that looked like Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but most importantly, no, I saw him die. I saw him buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Guess what? I'm going to go to the tomb. Yeah. And that's what exactly what the disciples did. They went to the tomb. In fact, uh, Mary Magdalene and... Um, who else was there? 
well, the women that were going to the tomb mm -hmm. that were the first witnesses of the empty tomb, they were actually going to, because it was the third day, they were going to do other, you know, whatever there was, traditional preparations for the body. For the body. Mm -hmm. That's what they were going. You know, they were going to tend to the dead body of Jesus. And, and that's how they found out. Right. So, again, extraordinary yeah. claims do not require extraordinary and I, evidence. And I think for those atheists that would pose those questions, I would, like, I think, uh, I mean, it's the same thing, like, we, like we've mentioned, for any historical thing that's happened. Like, then what's the, ex like, that I would need extraordinary claims that George Washington existed. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, there's historical evidence. Well, why is we there? But why is there? Why evidence? is that enough? Yeah. Why is that historical evidence enough? And the Bible is it enough? For yeah. Jesus? And I think when we mentioned when we talked earlier on um, in another episode uh, regarding the proof for the resurrection of Jesus and the proof for the Bible is one of the biggest um, difficulties that people have a hard time believing is just the supernaturalness of you know all the miracles um, he did and you know, the fact that he resurrected. Um, but just because it's difficult to believe doesn't, doesn't mean it's, it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, so logically, if there was any influence of, you know, uh, of influence from one, uh, myth to, uh, to the Jesus quote unquote myth, um, you know, it would have to be the influence, or if it was one one myth on another, it would have to be that the historical event of the New Testament on mythology, not the other way around. So the Bible would have influenced everyone else, which in fact, we see evidence of that. When you read the Quran, when you read the Book of Mormons, all that stuff is a distortion of, you know, the the gospel that Jesus was proclaiming in that time. Right. So... Um, so again, by comparing well-established historical, archaeological, textual, forensic facts, along with logical interpretation of the facts, it confirms beyond a reasonable doubt that Jesus of Nazareth historically rose from the dead and reveals what this actually means. Jesus is who he claimed to be, the promised Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God. It goes back to the C.S. Lewis quote, either uh, um, C.S. Lewis said he's a lunatic, a liar, or he's the Lord, right? Right. And, you know, I like to say that I take it a step further and say, hey, not only was he crazy, he's either telling the truth or crazy, but if he was crazy, not only was he crazy, but his insanity is the first case and only case of insanity that is contagious infectious and keeps replicating right. uh i mean i don't know we i saw a video was it this week or last week where it sure. where where uh dr frank turek is talking about you know how we know that that the bible is true and it's um or he was com he was comparing how jesus is shown through the old testament um, and you know, that in itself is, is proof, right? You know, uh, we've talked about it before, right? Where if 
There's no way you can read Isaiah 53 and not think that it is talking about Jesus. Right. Right? Because it talks very specifically about what Jesus was going through. And maybe you can just read the entire chapter for us. Um, Isaiah 53. Okay. I know we mentioned it, but I think it'd, it'd be nice to just read it. Okay. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like root of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look, look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off, cut off out of the land of the living, stricken by the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall be the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. Yeah. That's Jesus! Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and I find it so interesting that, you know, in in Judaism, this is a forbidden chapter. Like, Why? Like, you hold to the scriptures of God. Yeah. Why are you going to ignore this because of the implications of it, right? Yeah. I, I can assume. Um, so, since Jesus is who he claimed to be, the God of, then the God of the Bible exists. And if the God of the Bible exists, then all of mankind is accountable to him, right? The Bible is full of scriptures. Uh, here's one. It says, furthermore... Since while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Then we are in fact sinners. In James 2, 10, it reads, For whoever keeps all of God's law and yet breaks one is as guilty of breaking all of God's law. And in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And this basically means that there is nothing that you can do. There's no amount of effort, no good deeds. There's no money you can provide. There isn't a talent that you can have or develop. There aren't any achievements that you can reach that are enough to take away the guilt. And Isaiah 64, 6 talks about that. Um, and yet we see throughout the Bible that God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ was laid out before he created time. We talked about 
how the Isaiah talks about crucifixion before crucifixion ever existed. Uh, Isaiah 53 was written 700 years before Jesus. How do we know this? It was not up until 1947 and the Dead Sea Scrolls were recovered that we didn't realize that, okay, like before 1947, we thought, all right, we can guess, you know, we have an idea that Isaiah was written before Jesus's time, but we can't prove it because the earliest copies that we have, like you said last time, were like from the first and second century. But after the Dead Sea Scrolls, we were able to determine the copy of Isaiah, the entire copy of Isaiah that was found that is at, at the um, uh, Jerusalem Museum or wh wherever it's located in Jerusalem, um, where the entire cha uh, chap um, book is laid out, that copy is 700 years older than from the time of Jesus. So it's about, yeah, it's about nine to a thousand years before the copy that we had before that. Hmm. So that right there proves that Isaiah 53 specifically was written at least 700 years before Jesus even existed on the planet as a human. Yeah. So again, yes, Jesus was God and only God could do this, but no other man could manipulate the events of history to, to satisfy the yeah. fulfillment of Isaiah 53. It's just, it's impossible. Right. Um, yeah, and there's so there's just so much in the chapter. The fact that he was, um, let's see, he made his grave with the wicked. So I would assume that's the fact that he was um, crucified with the robbers um, and with a rich man in his death, right? Yeah. If we look at the Gospels, it was a rich man who took his body to be buried in one of his tombs. Yeah, so he was buried with the rich. Right. Um, I mean, the whole being crushed for our sins. I mean, that's whole. That's the pierced. whole... Pierced. Pierced for our sins. That's, that's the whole message of the gospel, right? That he died on the cross for us. Um, let's see, what else? He had done no violence. He did not open his mouth, which he, is continually spoken of, you know, in the yeah. gospels where yep. he... I mean, obviously he talks all throughout, the, you know, his ministry... But at the end, when he's being crucified, you know, there's as he a, keeps his mouth shut. Yeah, as a kid, that was a question that I always had, but never had the courage to ask. Um, you know, if Jesus, I had the same question as the other thief. If Jesus was God, why didn't he just stop it? Yeah. You know, why did he save himself? So, yeah, incredible. Yeah. So why didn't he save himself? Um, because that wasn't part of the plan, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the reason he didn't save himself is so Jesus. So here's the thing, right? We, we talk about, I think we've briefly brushed over evil and suffering. And we're like, why does God allow evil and suffering? Why is it, you know, why does he allow it? And it's interesting to me that God doesn't just allow it. But he participates and becomes part yeah. of it. I think, yeah, he becomes a perfect example of why he allows it to exist. Because there is a, there is, I mean, with Jesus dying, you know, like you say, you're like, why, why the heck didn't he stop it? It's like, well, obviously there was a greater plan because through that death, you know, the whole world can have 
an opportunity for salvation, right? We yep. can all have an opportunity for eternal life. And so in the same way, you know, we all suffer, but there is a greater plan behind yeah. it that we may not understand at the moment, but God understands. Yeah, well, Jesus, Jesus restored the connection that Adam severed right. with his transgression. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story of redemption. Um, all right. So um, again, and you can find some of these examples. Um, Titus 1, 1 to 2. Titus uh, 1. Timothy. Timothy. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. Ephesians 1, verses 4 to 6. Revelation 13, 8. And so... The plan, part of the plan is that rather to let us be condemned to hell as the sinners that we are, which would be just, right? Now, here's the thing, too. Like, people say, all right, why doesn't God stop evil? Well, think about this. If God really answered that prayer, like, let's say right now we prayed, God, please stop evil. I promise you, he would start with you and me. Yeah. Because that's our nature. We're evil. He'd have to start here, right? right? But people ignore that part. So, so again, so that would be just, but God would rather crush him who knew no sin than to crush us who do. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So, is the resurrection of Jesus a myth or a hoax? Absolutely not. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth is not a blind faith position. It is reasonable, it is rational, and it is reliable. Christians believe in the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of of other eyewitnesses. This goes back to what I said, right? Somebody makes an extraordinary claim. Uh, let's go see. Let's, right. let's verify this. Um, you know, they reported supernatural events that took place in the fulfillment of specific prophecies and claimed their writings were divine rather than from human origin. Um, it's supported by well-established historical, archaeological, and textual forensic facts and through the logical interpretation of those facts. And it confirms beyond a reasonable doubt that Jesus is the Son of God and Christianity is objectively true. So, to be a Christian is not, is not to have, is, doesn't mean what atheists claim that it is. It's not a blind faith. A blind faith means you have no reason to believe what you believe. You just believe it. Right. That's blind faith. That's what a lot of atheists believe that Christians yeah. specifically believe or why we believe. And the truth is that we have reasons to believe this to be true. Right. So the key is that it is, like you said, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. I think um, atheists and unbelievers, I, I don't know. It seems like they want more proof than they would, uh, you know, uh, any criminal case yeah. or any case at all. Like the only Proof that would be, I don't know, what's better than beyond a reasonable doubt? <laughs> that would be like 100% 
um, I guess, provable would be you, you, the juror was there seeing it happen, right? Yeah. Um, and in criminal cases, as it is with Jesus, you can't, we can't recreate that, right? Yeah, we can't go back in time. Right. Um, but it's, it's the fact that the lawyers, they have to prove that it is beyond a reasonable doubt. That there is enough facts, there's, there's enough um, proof out there, whether that be with witnesses or with evidence that shows that it is beyond a reasonable doubt that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is why faith is particularly important, not just to have it, but to be able to um, define it. Because if you don't define it from a biblical worldview perspective, then the world will define it for you. And this can confuse some Christians who'd be like, yeah, you know what? My faith might be blind and maybe I shouldn't believe and all that nonsense. So... It goes back again to one of our other episodes where we talked about faith, love, and hope. You know, faith, it allows us to look back to a position where we didn't exist, but we look back at a crucified king. Then our love for that king allows us to look up at a crowned king. And then because of that, we can look forward and have hope in a returning king. And so, you know, I think, I think we can stop there. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So uh, where could they find us? They can find us at ChristAlonePodcast.com. All of our um, handles. handles are Christ Alone Podcast, except for Twitter, which is Christ Alone Pod, and our number is... 407-796-2881. Feel free to call, text, leave a message, uh, questions, suggestions, prayer requests, uh, you know, we are here. We will try to make ourselves available. If you really want to, you know, get on a, on a, uh, on the call and and have prayer that way, um, or you could just leave a recorded voicemail and we'll pray for you that way. However you want. Um, remember, uh, if you guys are interested in this, in the notes for this podcast episode, I will post thirty two references that you can look up yourself and confirm everything that we've spoken about from part one, part two, and part three of the resurrection of Jesus myth. All right, amen. All right, and don't forget, go to Apple Podcasts, write us a review, leave us the five stars, do both, and um, that will help push our podcast up in the algorithm and out to more people who might need to hear some of this. Also, it doesn't cost you anything to share the podcast with a friend, coworker, or a family member. And so if you do happen to purchase any of our merchandise, also don't forget to tag us on social media so that we can check it out. All right, guys. God bless you all. We love you all. And if we don't see you next week, we'll see you in the clouds. Amen.